This is Killstreak. Greetings, Halloween suck sacks. This is Killstreak, episode 81. Thank you, Scott Jennings, for uh, posting that episode 81 was coming up. Otherwise, I would have had to have looked <laughs> in my my podcast feed to figure out what episode this is. If you want to go ahead and post just to the cast and crew of this movie, too, in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to use it for reference. Um. Well, anyway, this is Killstreak, as I said. I'm Eric Goslin. Joining me here, as always, Mike Price. About to take a sip. Sorry, I'm interrupting no, you. No, no, I'll, I'll postpone my sip. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm, I'm okay. Doing all right. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. It's good. It's almost October. Yeah, we're really entering our spooky season. I'm seeing yeah. a lot of posts about Halloween. Yeah. And I like the movie Halloween. Sure, sure. And I'm really like never before have I felt like we've been on like in the zeitgeist of like, oh, we're relevant right now. Yeah, this is the time to strike. It's it's we're turning the corner into the true Halloween season. If ever we were to capture a larger uh, market share now i feel like this is the time to do it well i i, I, I you know not to get a peek behind the curtain too much mm. but uh hey these episodes have been doing well the, true. the halloween episodes people love halloween people love the series yeah um i was looking through uh my wife and i are condensing all of our various photo albums that mm-hmm. we have and putting them into like new photo albums we just don't have a ton of crappy ones that we've had for years and i was looking at a picture of my room back in I don't know, maybe eighth grade would be my okay. guess. And on the wall, Halloween poster. Tight. And then in another photo, there's a under my alarm clock, which was like a award that my dad was given at a golf tournament or something. Cause okay. there's like a guy golfing on it. <laughs> it's propped up. It's on top of a book. Mm. That book creature features wow pretty sure it's turned away. Yeah. But then it's the thickness of it. I'm like, Oh, mm. that was, that's what I that's did. That's where you kept yeah. it. Man. So the, if nothing else, I'm <laughs> in arrested development, sure. like just a man child. I mean, aren't we all? We all are. Uh, I and mean, that's kind of what our generation is now. Just yeah. like a bunch of fucking babies being yeah. like, give me what I like all the time. Well, you know, it's because the world sucks. So you mm-hmm. revert to, to when you thought it was better. Uh, and I mean, I think this is a good segue, too. We're talking about cherishing the memories of your, of your eighth grade uh, bedroom. What year was that, Eric, when you were in eighth grade? Um, I started high school in 97, so that would have been 96, 95, 96, yeah. Just a few short years after this movie was shot, only a year or so after it came out. Yeah. I watched this movie in that very bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. I watched this movie for the first time four nights ago. Yeah. And, uh, it felt like 94, I'll tell you that. It did, yeah. It did. It has big 94 vibes. Yeah. Uh, I really, I'm excited. Let's just get, let's get into this because okay. I, I'm excited about this. I've All been right. champing at the bit since I watched it. Do you want to launch right into the uh, the pre-production and and how this came to be discussion? Yeah, let me I'll, I'll, let me just say to set up things beforehand. I watched the producer's cut as well. Yeah, I watched both versions. Mm-hmm. Mike has only seen the theatrical version. Yes, so I think what's going to correct me mm-hmm. if you disagree with this. I think what we should do. Do the normal recap, mm-hmm. say our thoughts, all this stuff, 
And then towards the end of the next segment, I can talk about the differences. Sure. Yeah. Unless it comes up more like, you know. Yeah, if you find yourself being drawn towards talking about the differences while we're talking about the movie, go for it. But otherwise, you can dispense that knowledge as you see fit. Cool, cool. Um, all right, let's talk about rights for a second. Yeah, let's talk um, about rights. So something we haven't really talked about much up to this point is the uh, the Halloween, the original Halloween rights um, as they pertained to all of the sequels, right? Because um, we talked about it uh, when we talked about the first movie, that that was a Compass International Pictures production. Uh, and that was a company formed by two guys we've talked about a lot, Erwin uh, Yoblins yeah. and Mustafa Akkad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was also a third uh, gentleman involved named Joe Wolf, who uh, I don't know shit about. So Yeah, I don't either. I don't even recognize the name. Yeah. But he definitely doesn't seem like he was that involved with these movies because his name never comes up uh, in discussions about them. So you have Compass... Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why we, you know we talked about it. It's something that that people maybe gloss over, but Halloween famous for being an independent film. Yes, like, like Compass was not part of it was not an umbrella under the umbrella of any major studio. Uh, Compass was Compass, like they that was Mustafa Kad's like random, like um, you know sort of uh, is you know Islamic epics, like a handful sure. of those, and and then a couple other horror movies, Tourist Trap being one. Oh no way! I didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah, but outside of that, like this was kind of what they became known for. Um, now, sometime. Uh, around 1985 or so, Compass, they changed their name and I think they maybe did away with their business partner uh, and became Trancas, T-R-A-N-C-A-S. I don't know if that's the proper pronunciation. That's a real, (laughs) that sounds like a Tim and Eric word for someone's (laughs) dick. (laughs) My Trancas. (laughs) Would you look at my trancus if I took it out? Um, doctor, there's something wrong with my trancus. <laughs> uh, anyways, I was going to do a doctor impression. And I was like, that's not what I do. That's like not. <laughs> we try to keep things funny, but I don't do impressions. Well, who am I kidding? Do you, you don't do any impressions? Uh, I mean, the only impressions I can do are ones that I've stolen from other people doing impressions. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're not good impressionists, so I, that makes sense. No, I'm trying to think. I mean, I do some accents okay. Okay. Uh, I do Texas fine. Uh, I do, like, a Russian accent that's a little bit exaggerated, but, I like, better than John Malkovich and Rounders. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. The Malkovich line is, yeah. is better or worse than. Right. I can do a decent foghorn, leghorn, like southern gentleman. Do you want to give us a a little taste of that, or am I just putting you on the spot too much? Uh, Yeah, I'm panicking. Okay, well, listen, let's say if it comes up organically Uh, sometime in the podcast and you feel feel, uh, inspired. Sure. Then... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that sounds good. That was also... um, with Daniel Craig from Oh yeah, a little yeah. knives out. <laughs> yeah, it's about the same level. I think he and I are operating on a similar octave. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. uh, so Halloween writes. You know, later on, uh, Halloween two, Halloween three. We talked about Dino De Laurentiis. His mm-hmm. company comes in, uh, gets involved, but the rights never left. Um, Compass. They just kind of joined up with Dino Universal. 
um, later on, but we didn't talk about it much, but four and five were straight up I th- five for sure, and I'm double-checking four as we speak. You're very you're afraid I'm going to yank this cord out, aren't you? No, no, I, I just want I'm giving you a little more slack for oh, the headphones. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. We've had some technical difficulties. See if you can figure out where it happened, folks. We yeah. actually stopped and picked it back up. We did, we did. Um, so that's a little Easter egg. If you want to go back, listen again. Maybe do it on someone else's computer so we log an extra... <laughs> Extra listen for the stats. Um, but yeah, after after Universal was involved in 2 and 3, 4 and 5 go back to just being, uh, at that point, then Trankus, uh pictures. Trankus. Right. So this is something I'm still a little bit unclear about. But there were somewhat famous in Hollywood, at least, there was a bidding war at this point in time. There was a, there was a fairly substantial break between Halloween 5 and... Uh, and Halloween 6. Yeah, right? it's like six years, I think. Yeah, because this is 95, and yeah, 89, I think, sounds right for Halloween 5. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, the return, Revenge of Michael Myers, mm-hmm. is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That's the one that like doesn't use a number, right? It's just uh, No, this is the one. This is the one? Okay. Yeah. The, the, the naming gets confusing. It does. Um, but... Uh, so yeah, there was a there was like a long cool down because five was poorly received and and did not uh, both by critics and at the box office, but for whatever reason, uh, the interest sort of kicked back up again and by like ninety four ish. Um, so this is pre you know scream horror revival. Still, yeah, I wanted to make that distinction too because yeah. it really does feel like a pre scream movie. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, in retrospect. It's, I mean, Scream is one of those watershed moments of like Total game everything change. was yeah. different after that, mm-hmm. it, and yeah. it um, didn't really appreciate it at the time. It's sim- similar, like Pulp Fiction, like yeah. that everything changed mm-hmm. for independent movies after that. Yeah, like asynchronous plots and yep. you know that kind of violence and 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 just cursing, like literally, like that changes. And in, and in this, you know, it's the self-referential exactly meta commentaries on horror. Exactly. You know. And up until this point, I would say that the like the sequels that were getting churned out for these like you know old guard franchises were getting so <laughs> convoluted. Mm-hmm. And then Scream was sort of like the reset button for yeah. a lot of these. Yeah. So this is right before that sea change. And uh, so the bidding war that took place was between New Line, who already had the rights to Freddy Krueger, and I think at that point they had Jason Voorhees also, because Jason Goes to Hell was 93, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so it was between New Line and Dimension, which was part of Miramax, uh, and under the guidance of uh, two real, well, one real life horror monster and then one enabler <laughs> excuse me <laughs> bob and harvey yeah bob yeah. and harvey weinstein mm-hmm. uh I, I think bob still has uh he's got some some complaints lodged against oh him, probably yeah uh, but- i know somebody who worked for harvey weinstein and as all that stuff was coming out i was like so what's uh what do you think mm-hmm. and this is before like a lot of the uh-huh. details come out yeah and he was like oh i mean i never experienced anything obviously he's a man yeah and he's like but yeah, that definitely all happened. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Well, Harvey Dark Washington, stuff. A true monster. True monster. Um, worse than Michael Myers, in my opinion. Yeah. But uh, regardless, 
the Weinsteins won that battle. And I read something that suggested that it was kind of like Carpenter was sort of aligned with New Line and was maybe going to come back into the fold if they had gotten the bid. I, did you hear one of his pitches? Sp- yeah. Space. Yeah. J- uh, uh, Michael Myers in space. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, you, yeah. So Carpenter uh, may have been on board, but doesn't mean he wasn't phoning it in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that makes me wonder if it's like in that classic carpenter like yeah i'll do it for the money but yeah. fuck it i don't care oh yeah that's what it feels like yeah for sure um but who knows i mean he also around this period of time this is when he was like gearing up to make vampires yeah and... yeah this is his dark time yeah um and anyways uh, dimension wins out and that's important because a lot of the push and pull that we'll talk about both in this segment, and then I think as we talk about the producer's cut versus the theatrical cut, to be clear, we were talking about this the other day. Producer's cut is like a weird name, yeah, it right? Really is. I never even thought about it until we discussed it. Everybody knows the director's cut. Yeah. What the fuck is a producer's cut? Yeah, exactly. And the answer is it's what you get when you have two different sets of producers, when you have the Weinsteins and Dimension going head to head with Mustafa Akkad. Uh, and also his producer, who was a guy named Paul Freeman. So the producer's cut in this instance refers to the closest approximation of the original vision of Mustafa Akkad and Paul Freeman versus Uh what Dimension more or less turned this movie into. Yeah, I mean, there were extensive... I'm sure this is something you're going to cover, but there were extensive reshoots mm-hmm. uh that changed yeah the ending yeah specifically yeah and and i guess there was a little bit more alignment between the writer and uh the akkad camp and then the director joe Chappelle and the weinstein camp mm. so those were kind of the two the the two at odds so apparently joe Chappelle kind of rewrote the ending to the movie onset okay the first time through and then like you mentioned there were a lot of reshoots which the akkad the akkads were not involved in and, and i say the akkads because also mustafa's son malik who's going to become an integral part of of the series as time goes on this was his first time working on one of these movies yeah 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 so he was the associate producer on this one definitely picked out his name in the credits uh, yeah as like oh, okay it seems like a changing of the guard mm-hmm. in a way or like yeah a i watched torch. some doc stuff with him and i mean this is based on so little but uh he seems like a smart guy he seems yeah. and, and he seems like he cares about the franchise so you know who knows maybe i'm i'm being you know overly optimistic rosy about it but uh you definitely get the impression that they had an idea of preserving something about what halloween meant and dimension was very much interested in uh just you know money which is everybody's interested in money everybody wants the movie to make money yeah but it seemed like there was uh, not so much an artistic vision as just a focused grouped kind of approach to how to do things. Yeah. And that'll tie into the changes between the two cuts mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So the script originally uh, bounced around. A couple different people were hired, considered. Uh, at one point, a guy named Phil Rosenberg wrote a script titled Halloween 666, The Origin, uh-huh. uh, which Mustafa Khan hated and immediately rejected. <laughs> Uh, then, uh, not surprisingly, because this is a, you know, dimension being part of Miramax, 
they brought in uh, Scott Spiegel, who was co-writer of Evil Dead 2, mm-hmm. and was also a close friend of Quentin Tarantino's, to direct a Tarantino script. Uh, and the Tarantino script, by all accounts, sounds pretty much like uh, Natural Born Killers. Yes, yes. <laughs> it was... Uh, I read this as well, if I may. It's mm-hmm. like the the ca- the man in black who breaks Michael Myers out of the jail in mm-hmm. 5 and Michael Myers yeah. in a road movie. It sounds like, really stupid. It me. sounds fucking dumb. Like, yeah. It sounds really bad. <laughs> I mean, maybe Tarantino could have done something interesting yeah. with it, but like, I don't know. But, yeah. But I mean, the other thing, like that prompted, I thought about it for a minute because like, oh, Tarantino, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, is like, I don't know if I'm the first person to point this out. Tarantino, in some ways, is sort of like the anti-John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Like, the sort of, what we talk about is the, like, lean, muscular, straight-to-the-point aesthetic of Carpenter. He's more of a maximalist. Yes, absolutely. And really the wrong person to bring into this franchise. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the energy that this franchise didn't need. <laughs> yeah. It needs to be reined in at this point. Yeah, yes, yeah, not like spun out. Yeah, exactly. And well, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, also, it's just very funny that he was like, "Oh, I just have one idea right now." So I'm pitching Natural Born Killers <laughs> and the Halloween version of Natural yeah. Born Killers. I mean, who knows with these kind of stories? Like, who knows it mm. actually got how far it actually got? Yeah, but yeah. Apparently, there was a rejected screenplay. He wrote something and handed it in. Yeah, so. that's fun. I would, I would love to read that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Carpenter, was, they talked to him at one point. He wanted to put Michael in space. <laughs> also a terrible idea. Um, yeah. But and eventually, they hire this guy uh, named Dan Farrens, who... <clears throat> excuse me, I got a little... Little gas up in my throat. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, who was like a huge obsessive Halloween fan, and he showed up with and there's like multiple articles that talk about the same thing and people being like impressed and stuff that he had like this huge book full of like uh, the history of the franchise and like the storylines of like he had like written out these family backgrounds for like the Strode family and the Myers family oh, and all this stuff and it's and it. And again, similar to the Tarantino thing, I'm I'm thinking to myself, it's like this is not what Halloween no. needs. <laughs> I I was listening to that Halloween Unmasked podcast, and mm. the last one has Danny McBride in it, and he essentially said the exact same thing I said in episode uh-huh. two of this series, which is like, and then they make this choice, and then for some reason, that's the now the direction, yeah. this like arbitrary choice to make Laurie. Michael's right. brother, a sister. Now all of a sudden, every movie after that, and it's like it's like no, no, no. We don't want that. We don't want that. Yeah, but I mean, there's just so they double down time after time after time, and yeah. So Farron's uh, is a guy who went on to write a lot of horror stuff, uh, <clears throat> and you know, most of it's kind of middle of the road. Okay. Um, the Tooth Fairy, The Girl Next Door, The Haunting in Connecticut. Oh, uh, oh my God! That uh, in the movie theater, I got the biggest movie theater laugh I've ever had. Oh. Where um, the trailer for the Haunting in Connecticut uh-huh. came up, yeah, and it's like you know it looks like a fucking standard haunted house movie, sure. And then it's like the title, Haunting in Connecticut, and I just went, 
hey, nice title, asshole. <laughs> and the theater burst nuts. out laughing. <laughs> All right, I was about to get upset, but if you did it during the trailer, it's it was not a during trailer. The movie. Yeah, it wasn't That's, during the movie. Okay, no, no, no. okay, because that would be. <sighs> I'm a prima donna about that. Oh, stuff. me too. Yeah. yeah, I would never. Yeah. I would never talk during a movie. Okay, thank God. I also I like during the awful godzilla movie with matthew broderick <laughs> i went with a, like the girl i was dating at the time mm. in high school and uh she like tried to make out and i like wouldn't make out with her because i was like no we're paying attention to the movie <laughs> and that movie sucked i hated it, it but yeah i will break that rule uh, yeah for, i know i mean in those circumstances i saw the gi joe one of the gi joe live action movies <laughs> like all oh. Nothing, nothing came out, but you know. Oh God! Some... <laughs> nothing came out. <laughs> what? No. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. I haven't really gotten busy in movie theaters because uh, sure. I honor and I respect film as an art form. <laughs> <laughs> the movie theater is my church. And also, once you like, you know, I've been with my wife now for <laughs> um sixteen years. Uh, there's always later. It's <laughs> like you never. It's never like yeah. oh, so fucking horny. I want to fuck you in the street. So I was saying this about my wife. That's so weird. But it's like now. It's like we can just wait till yeah a couple months from now when our son falls asleep. And <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's too dark for this. Podcast. Uh, sorry. I hope none of her family listens. To it. I don't think they do. Yeah. Um. So anyways, uh, yeah, Farron comes in and he writes a screenplay with probably way too much backstory. And, uh, you know, so he basically decides to really double down, expand on the thorn stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, there were there were some things that had to be trimmed out. There are some things that actually got um this was supposed to continue there was supposed to be more expanded curse of thorn stuff in halloween 7 which ultimately gets knocked down and there's a soft reboot yeah it's after this point forward there's a soft there's a reboot yeah but according to him uh over the span of just one summer so really like three and a half months he went through 10 drafts of his script oh my god uh between june and october of 94 which is an insanely fast time period to do that many drafts of a movie. Yeah. Um, and like you said, a lot of the finale of, of the theatrical version was stuff that had been either rewritten and improvised on set by Joe Chappelle or done in reshoots uh, with, with dimension, like a completely separate shoot that the Akkads and the writer weren't involved in. Uh, so yeah, anyways, he definitely has a lot of, backstory that he wants to bring to the party and you know we 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 haven't been shy about our thoughts on that no yeah it's the with every layer Mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion not to not to encroach on my blood and guts check because who knows maybe this is just one aspect of it Mm -hmm. but with every layer of convolutedness to the family tree into the backstory of michael myers i feel like we lose something yeah yeah, and I'll tell you this, I've only seen one trailer for Halloween Kills so far, but I'm a little bit wary, just because some of the things that I saw in the trailer, I'm like, I'm curious where they're going to go with this stuff, hmm. you know, withholding all, any and all judgment until I see the movie. Yeah, but. I don't think I watch, I purposely don't usually watch trailers. But I like a good trailer. Yeah, I mean, I like it in a theater. 
yeah. it gets me pumped. Sure. But yeah. like watching it on my computer or something. I like usually that. feel the same way. However, I have only been to a movie theater. Well, I did go to two movies before uh, the Delta variant really closed back in and like ruined what we thought was going to be a fun summer. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at least I got to see Mortal Kombat and old. <laughs> in the theater <laughs> um hey i've been hearing you know we were kind of in this position before the delta variant but i've been hearing uh from a few different sources that like seems like we don't have too much longer as far I as hope like, so i'm still holding true. out hope that you and i can see halloween kills in a theater yeah still, I mean, it's I'm, almost I'm, a month away so. yeah i mean I'm, I'm i'm down i'm not really scared um let's just do it and once my son's vaccinated i'll feel better yeah and apparently, two shots of J and J, pretty good, yeah, pretty good protection. So, safe. if that booster comes available, I'll do that, and then uh, I feel fine. All right, great, yeah, let's do it. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the cast. Donald Pleasance in his final appearance. Final appearance. Doctor Sam Loomis. Beard looks great. He, yeah, he looks really. I mean, it's funny because he looks like an old man in the first one. Yeah, 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 he does. Yeah, but now he's like, oh, this is an old, old man. man. This yeah. is an old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he passed away before this film was released in the theater. It is, uh, as one might expect, dedicated to him. Um, do you want to talk about Daniel Harris a little bit? Yeah, so um, Daniel Harris, who played Jamie in the last two movies, was only 17 at the time, and she was supposed to re- reprise her role. Well, according to her, she wasn't even supposed to. She found out that there was a casting call to replace her. Oh, really? And so she called her agent, and they were like, wait, I want to do this. Oh, I, I actually yeah. missed that part. And then they started negotiating back and forth what I think you're going to go into now. Yeah, yeah, so part of it was that she legally emancipated herself from her parents, right? Yeah, so that she could essentially be treated as an adult on the set. Right, so like, you know, uh, if people don't realize, kids on set have much... They can only be there for like basically half the day. Mm-hmm. You and need they have to have an on-set teachers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, they can't be exposed to certain things, you know, in an ideal world. <laughs> um, and so it is a pain in the ass to have kids on right. set. There's a kids huge, and dogs. There's a huge incentive to have an 18-year-old play younger versus exactly. casting an actual teenager. So she went through the process of getting uh, emancipated. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, because I only skimmed mm. this because I passed it on to you. The amount she was going to get paid was less than the emancipation process. Yeah, it was like five. And, and this is how it's fucking small this this amount is. It was like she had paid like 3000 and change. Okay. Uh, or no, she had paid like 5000 and they were offering her like three grand. Jesus Christ. They were offering her uh, uh, SAG scale. scale. And... And this was dimension. So, you know, again, the Akkads say, hey, our hands were tied. Like, we thought it was bullshit. We wanted her back for the movie. But, like, just a, such a bullshit, insane yeah. lowball. Think I about mean, that. Like, it's this is a major motion picture from a studio. From a major franchise. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't go up two grand. Well, the movie only made fifteen million. <laughs> like, out of, like, it made it basically its yeah. budget plus... Mm-hmm. It's budget. Uh, it was, I think it was like seven million dollars was the budget. That sounds right. Yeah, it's crazy. This, yeah. that they couldn't meet her. Very understandably, she walked away from it uh, when they refused to even help her recoup the costs of getting emancipated so she could be in the movie. Um, yeah. So, anyways, that's uh, I think a tragic thing. That's also indicative of how much the Dimension folks actually cared about 
anything. Yeah. And when you look at the final product of the theatrical cut, mm. she's not a big part of this movie. No, no. At all. No. And there was another version, I think. I mean, is even the producer's cut she appears later on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, she was originally a much bigger part of the script. Um, then, uh, yeah, there's uh, a couple other funny script notes. Uh, Beth was, a, like, originally uh, Denise Richards' audition for that role and made callbacks. And, oh, really? And was later dismissed, and the part was given to Mariah O'Brien. Huh. So, uh, I don't know. Mariah O'Brien's fine. Yeah. Uh, Denise Richards is Denise Richards. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, George Wilbur is back as Michael Myers for most of the movie. <laughs> Oh, was, was yeah. there a switch up? Yeah, and then in the reshoots, uh, uh, they went and got another guy, uh, A. Michael Lerner, because they thought Wilbur was too bulky, which is hilarious because he was the one who was too skinny and had to wear pads. Oh, wow. In an earlier movie, but he had bulked up as he had gotten a little older. I do not think that the Michael Myers of the majority of the movie is too bulky. I disagree with that. Comment. Yeah, I don't either. Um, and then, obviously, i am sort of been dancing around it, but... The big casting note here is the feature film debut mm-hmm. of Paul Rudd. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Yeah. Looking, uh, it's funny seeing him without like stubble, you know? Yeah, that's really the only difference. It's really the only difference. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is, he, he was auditioning for Clueless towards the end of shooting this. Uh, And that was his real big breakout role. Um, But yeah, Paul Rudd, movie star, in his very first appearance. And we'll talk about him more. Playing uh, Tommy Doyle. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Good point. We should call that out. So Tommy Doyle uh, is the kid that Jamie Lee Curtis is babysitting. And apparently, again, it's one of those things like who knows how far this actually got. Mm -hmm. They... um, Reached out to the kid who originally played Tommy Doyle. Yeah. And was he, he was basically not really an actor anymore, and they couldn't really get a hold they couldn't get a hold of him, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure somebody tried super hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah. So anyways, that I mean that covers most of it, and I think we can talk about how things sort of went awry when we touch on uh the producers cut stuff. But I'll give a brief bird's eye view. Suffice to say that um, there was disagreement between uh, Dimension and the writer and the Akkads, and this specifically starts after some test screenings that went poorly, uh, and that really set things into motion in terms of, like, we're going to do all these reshoots. Uh, Chappelle, the director, is basically getting mixed message orders from two different parties during the shoot. And, you know, he understandably and and and, and Malika Khad even says this. I think Mustafa Khad said this in an interview that he's like, he gets it. Like, it makes sense that she, like Dimension was writing the checks. So it's like, right. yeah, you got to you got to go. You got to listen to the people who are Especially paying Especially if you're a director for hire. Yeah. In this case, like your sixth movie mm-hmm. in a franchise. It's not your initial vision. Yeah. You could maybe have some ideas but it's like you're fucking you're a hired gun he's doing something akin to tv directing which is what which are you doing what he mostly does and quite well he directed he's sort of uh, maybe most noteworthy for being along with uh ernest dickerson like one of the two go-to directors of the wire oh right yeah 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 and he's directed like a number of the most 
well-known episodes of the wire oh cool and he was even a co-ep i think on the fifth season so oh wow yeah i mean he's had a really successful tv career um but uh but this was a bit of a mess i think in terms of having too many cooks in the kitchen yeah well let's get into that in the next segment uh let's take a quick break and then we'll recap Do you know why we celebrate Halloween? A long, long time ago, it was a night of great power. When the days grew short, all across the land, huge bonfires were lit. Oh, there was a marvelous celebration. And they dressed up in costumes, hoping to ward off the evil spirits, especially the boogeyman. On October 31st, 1989, Michael Myers and his niece Jamie Lloyd are abducted from the Haddonfield Police Station by the man in black and his two henchmen. Six years later, on October 30th, 1995, Jamie gives birth to a baby, and the man in black, revealed to be the leader of a druid-like cult, takes the child away. Later, a midwife helps Jamie escape with her baby, but she is killed by Michael. Jamie and her baby flee in a stolen pickup truck uh, with Michael in pursuit. Meanwhile, Dr. Sam Loomis has retired and moved to a cabin on the outskirts of Haddonfield, where he lives as a hermit. He is visited by his friend Dr. Terence Wynne, the chief administrator of Smith's Grove Sanitarium, where Michael had been incarcerated as a boy. Wynne asks Loomis to return to Smith's Grove. They overhear Jamie's plea for help on a local radio station when she makes a call to Loomis, only to be ignored by the radio DJ Barry Sims, the shock jock. Michael catches up with Jamie, and she crashes the truck into an old barn. He kills Jamie, but finds that the baby is not in the truck. In Haddonfield, Tommy Doyle, whom Laurie Strode babysat in 1978, now lives in a boarding house run by Mrs. Blankenship. Tommy is a reclusive individual who has become obsessed with finding the truth behind Michael's motives. The dysfunctional family living in the Myers house across the street are relatives of the Strode family. Kara Strode, her six-year-old son Danny, her teenage brother Tim, caring mother Deborah, and abusive father John. Tommy finds Jamie's baby at the bus station, takes him into his care, and names him Stephen. Tommy runs into Loomis and tells him about the Strode family living in the Myers house. Meanwhile, Michael returns to Haddonfield where he stalks Kara before killing Deborah. Oh, also, the, mo- the woman who played the mother... I looked her up, and she's in she's in stuff that yeah, you would recognize. Better off dead. She's the yes, mom. That's why I recognize dead. her. From yep. Kim Darby is her name. She's Kim- goofy. She's goofy. She's fun. Yeah. Uh, later, Tommy, Kara, and Danny go to the boarding house where Michael reveals that he believes. I'm sorry. Where Tommy reveals that he believes Michael has been inflicted with Thorn, an ancient Druid curse. Long ago, one child from each tribe, chosen to bear the curse of Thorn, must sacrifice his next of kin on the night of Samhain, or Samhain, as they say, or Halloween. I love that they went back to mispronouncing it. Yeah. 
know. Uh, it's just like, nah, it's just, that's the way it looks. So yeah. That's what we're doing. Uh, Tommy believes that Steven will be Michael's final sacrifice. Later that night, while Tommy goes out to look for Loomis, Mrs. Blankenship reveals to Kara that she was babysitting Michael the night he killed his sister. Really? Because she, uh, I didn't see any babysitters there. Just his sister yeah. fucking. Yeah, that's right. Um, in that hearing, uh, sorry, in that Danny is hearing a voice telling him to kill, just like Michael did, indicating Danny also possesses the power of Thorn. <laughs> Meanwhile, Michael kills John, Tim, Tim's girlfriend Beth, and Barry Sims. Wow, really cut into the gist there. <laughs> yeah. Danny and Kara manage to escape back to the boarding house where Tommy and Loomis are waiting. The cult arrives at the boarding house where it is revealed that Mrs. Blankenship is a cult member and the man in black is Dr. Wynn. The cult drugs Loomis and Tommy and takes Kara, Danny, and Stephen to Smith's Grove. Kara is locked in a maximum security ward while the boys are kept in, the inoper- in an operating room. Loomis confronts Wynn, who reveals that the staff at Smith's Grove has been working with the Thorn cult to study the power of Thorn and learn how to control it. Stephen is implied to be the successful result of experiments to clone Michael's pure evil, and the cult plans to use Danny and Kara to create another one. Wynn wants Loomis to join in on his conspiracy as, uh, as he was the first one to see the evil inside of Michael. Loomis refuses and is knocked out by a cult member. Tommy frees Kara as Michael pursues them through the sanitarium. They find Wynn and his team who are about to perform a medical procedure on Danny and Steven. Michael suddenly appears and turns against Wynn and the doctors, killing them all. Tommy and Kara rescue the kids and Michael chases them into the laboratory where Kara notices fetuses from Wynn's failed experiments. Tommy injects Michael with corrosives and beats him unconscious with a lead pipe. Tommy, Kara, and the children leave Smith's Grove while Loomis stays behind to take care of business. Inside, Michael's mask lies alone on the lab floor and Loomis screams in the background, leaving their fates unknown. And there you have it. That is the uh, Wikipedia recap of Halloween Curse of Michael Myers. And now the moment of truth. Blood and guts check. What did we think about this movie? Mike, this is your first time mm-hmm. coming in cold. Mm-hmm. What did you think of this movie? I I want to break protocol for a second, okay. if I may. Uh, you've seen this before, and now I you've have. seen the producer's cut, and then you watched it again. Yep. Before I weigh in, I would like it if you could briefly... Explain to me what the deal is, uh, specifically <laughs> with with the relationship between Michael Myers and the cult. Yeah, dude, I can't. Okay. Other than, okay. The cult of Thorn, like the Thorn, he's infected with this thorn okay-ness. Now, is that something that happened by accident? Yeah, let's do a no, quick no, Q&A. No, no, no. I think it's like, it goes back generations. Did they infect him, or did he just become infected? I think he became infected, okay. and, and then they found him. Okay. They're like trying to find whoever the thorn person is. Yeah, that's my okay. interpretation of it. Yeah. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. What's with the fetuses? I guess they're like okay. So uh-huh. now we're getting into producers. This cut is producers okay. cut versus theatrical cut. I guess the idea is that they're going to be making more Michaels, okay, or more like evil beings, uh, to cre- to continue on okay. this lineage. Okay, is there ever any discussion of their motivation? Um, this, I like. I know what they. I know they want to do evil. Is there a reason? Yeah, no, why? I, I don't think so. If there is, uh-huh. like, I didn't. Okay, it didn't register. Okay, uh, I'm just trying to think if I have any other big. I mean, I have unanswered questions, but, um, and then Jamie. Yeah. So the, she's kidnapped when? When she's a child. Okay. So like right after the events of yeah, part yeah. five. So, okay. Uh, that's one thing I couldn't remember. Um, even though I just watched them days apart, do they flash back to the end of five during what you watched? There are, it's like, it's very quick, right? It's like like choppy cuts. Yeah. So there is a longer, like Mm -hmm. we see in black and white flashback. We see the events of five. Okay. And then we see Michael and Jamie get thrown into a van. Okay. Cause I was going to say that Wikipedia synopsis is more thorough than the movie. Yes, Yes, it is. It says, yeah, it says on October 31st, 1989, Michael Myers and his niece, Jamie Lloyd are abducted from the police station. It's like, well, one, that didn't happen at the end of the movie. Right. No, Jamie doesn't get abducted. No. And then it's not shown in this movie either. No, it's shown in the producer's cut. Okay. Got it. All right. Cool. I think I'm ready now. Okay. Um, I would say that in terms of <laughs> like, like in terms of plotting... This is one of the most confusing movies I've ever seen. Yeah. And you can tell how that happened just from, like, all of these different people with different agendas and different things getting cut together into, like, a fucking Frankenstein monster of a movie. Yeah. The thing that they ended up putting into movie theaters truly does not make sense. It doesn't make any sense. And that is a really big problem. And it makes a movie... I mean, by 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 the criteria that I try to use to grade movies, it makes a movie bad. Aside from that, I didn't hate it. Okay. <laughs> like, my biggest issue is just that it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Um, I was actually sort of surprised by how much I didn't hate the way it looks, the acting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um with a couple exceptions. Uh, the kills are fine. They're not exceptional, but it's like, I, I didn't hate it, but I was so confused by it that I was like, well, this has to, this, like you clearly, I clearly have to, it's like a kid who you like, who does a really bad job on a project. So you like want to <laughs> give him a better grade than you know he deserves. Yeah. If that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of my first takeaway. We can talk in much more detail, but my immediate response is that is that it's like unforgivably uh, puzzling and nonsensical plot. But then there are some other things that I kind of enjoy about it. Okay, so for me, um, I really, really hated it the first time I saw it, mm-hmm. and it's I I never revisited it. I've seen the, all the other ones a few yeah. times, other than 
H2O, uh, which there's no reason why I haven't rewatched mm. H2O. I just haven't. Okay. <clears throat> and, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and then so rewatching it, I still had a lot of the same problems. Yeah. But I did not like this movie. Let me let me okay. make that clear. Okay. I do not like this movie. Okay. Um, but it was like I had more fun watching it this time yeah. around, knowing now what I know now, mm-hmm. and like. But this is I feel like it is a lead a lead balloon of a movie where it's, it, it it is so like convoluted. It goes so far away from what I love about the mm. original Halloween sure. and some of its sequels. Yeah, that it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? And then, and then that way, I sort of respect <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you cannot accuse this movie of being unambitious. No, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, that's something I, you know, I maybe wrongly accused um, the sort of the soft reboot of the Chucky movies. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which one that's called. Uh, of doing of just sort of like recycling yeah this movie is not that no this is this truly is the jason goes to hell of the yeah of the series it's wild it's they, wild they really just go so far afield of like if you if you were to watch halloween <laughs> you just showed somebody who's yeah. never seen any of these movies <laughs> halloween and then went straight, straight to, to this six. yeah exactly you're like, what the fuck <laughs> But it, the funny thing is, I bet you that person would be like, I have so many questions, and half of their questions would be the same questions that yeah, I yeah, have. Yeah, because they're not answered. They're, yeah. they're not answered. Yeah. The movie is confusing. Yeah. It is so confusing. The movie is like seven degrees away from the first one, uh-huh. but it's like five degrees away from the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it takes it, such a huge leap such out. Such a huge yeah. leap. Um, and the last one wasn't good either, yeah. so it's like, you know... Yeah. You got to respect it on one level for mm-hmm. doing something different, but yes. like, man, it's different. <laughs> it is. Let's talk about some positives. Yeah, I wanted to do that. Yeah. I, and this is 100% personal bias, but man, I just slipped into this 94 vibe like it was a hot tub. And sure. it was it was awesome. And, and And it's worth noting that it's like, this is so specific because, like, this time is my coming of age of as a horror fan. Yeah. Like, this movie was shot when I was, like, 11 years old. It came out 11 to 12. That was, like, that's when I was going through it. Like, I was renting everything I could get my hands on and just, uh-huh. like, really, really getting into this genre. And, you know, every, I think everybody is just, like, remembers specific, you know periods of time in their life and like sort of the trappings the clothes the music and you know i've seen a lot of stuff in recent years that's like new stuff trying to look like 94 95 yeah like like fear street yeah and sometimes they they hit on some stuff but it's like the subtlety of watching something that is actually from that era and getting the real sort of retro trappings instead of somebody's like exaggerated idea right like paul rudd's clothing doesn't look ridiculous yeah but it is of a time right yeah um there's a butthead impression in the movie <laughs> you know like that guy's like yeah oh, oh, cool yeah or whatever he is. um and uh i that's that jumped out to me i agree 
Um, the the producer's cut soundtrack is very different, actually. Yeah. So it's not like in in my memory of the theatrical cut, you know, because I watched them back to back. They're sort of like, you know, you don't really yeah. notice the differences. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're like, oh, is that different, or did I? Yeah, like, like it was a lot of rock and roll kind of like, or like sort of like darker. Yeah, I mean, kind of what you would expect from like a horror movie. Yeah. But not as much like recognizable music as I would no, expect. No, no, I think it's like one band who did most of the music. Yeah, that of. sounds right. Uh, and it's also salt, salt, shot in Salt Lake City, like the last mm-hmm. two. Um, and I think of them all, this looks the most like a Halloween. I agree. I think it looks. I think they made this the the neighborhoods and the house like they did a much better job of recreating Pasadena Haddonfield from the originals. Yeah. The original and then the second one is you know shot in the same location and, yeah uh then the last one which was also salt lake city but this just i think this is a much better haddonfield yeah it looks more like the fall <clears throat> yeah in more like a like a you know illinois town mm-hmm. yeah um i think donald Ple- pleasance is good yes he's dialed way back from dialed the last back. one mm-hmm. yeah um and yeah i mean he's giving you know, one of his last performances, and and he definitely gets some better notes to play. I think like that initial scene between Win and Loomis, uh, I think is very good. Mm-hmm. Like when Loomis is writing, he's like right in the the um, radio station is like whatever. I, I heard that Doctor Loomis died. Mm-hmm. He's like not quite, just retired or whatever he says. Uh, like oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Paul Rudd is fine. Like he's fine. He's not like he's yeah. neither good nor bad. He's actually kind of low on my totem pole for actors in the movie. Yeah. Now's as good a time as any to talk about this. So, did you notice anything odd about Paul Rudd's performance? Um, I mean, no. Okay. He is doing. I I talked about this on Instagram a little bit with with our social media guru Scott. Uh, like. I guess I can't... It's like a mid-Atlantic accent, like, creeps in. Oh, interesting. Where he does this little, like... He he gets into this, like, little preppy, like, tinge of of English. Like, he sounds like Cary Grant, basically. Huh. I have to go back and and listen again. You should. Go back and, 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 and here's the thing. I was like, what is this? This looks like a sort of insane choice. And then I thought about it, and I watched some clips, and I was like, no, he did this in Clueless, too. Oh, wow. So this is like... and But in Clueless, I was always like, well, he's supposed to be playing like a pretentious college kid. So it feels like it makes sense. I think this is how he talked in 1994. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Uh, and then I did a little more digging. Both his parents are British. Oh, yeah. interesting. So this is probably just the way he talked. I think this is the way he talked before it kind of got beaten out of him in Hollywood. Yeah. And I think he had like a little touch of English accent to his to Oh, his, that's interesting. You know, I got to go back and listen voice. to that. Yeah. So anyways, uh, yeah, overall, other than that, I think he's he's fine. Yeah, he's, he's not fine. he's not great. He's not terrible. I will say that like he's very pretty and that's unmistakable. Yeah. But outside of that... There, this isn't one of those debuts where you're like, this is a fucking movie star. You know? No, definitely not. Like, he could have disappeared forever just as easily. The guy who plays the abusive dad, uh-huh. um, I kind of liked him. Like, <laughs> It's such a big it's broad. such a character. Yeah. Like, it's such a cartoon. Yeah. I mean, you really hate him. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, he was fine. Kim Darby, we mentioned, she is, like, very interesting to look at. Yeah. Um, 
She's very wacky, very, I think. And, like, I love her outfits in the movie. Like, mm. it's it did that her clothing is more, like, in the Stranger Things version of this movie where they, like, would reference this, like, yeah. her outfit. Yeah. Like, it being of the times, like, oh, yeah, I know. She looks like Friends' moms. Yeah, like, She's totally. just dressed totally like a frumpy Friends' mom. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I keep clearing my throat. Um, That's okay. And then uh, let me think of other things that I like. I also liked De- uh, she's Deborah. Uh, who's the daughter? Beth. I did like Beth. Beth is the uh, Beth's the, the girlfriend, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not the daughter. The son's the girlfriend. son's girlfriend. Yeah. But here's the thing about this movie. <laughs> like I, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess he was the son. Like the son of who? It's, not it's clear, like yeah. like nothing is clear in this movie. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, yeah. Sorry. Oh, I was just say Kara's relationship with her family, like they're mad at her for going to college, like, or or having a kid. I think. Yeah. When did she have a kid? She had a kid at some. And how old is she? She's like, she looks like she's thirty five. <laughs> she looks like she's thirty five. She's in college. Yeah. She's fine. You're in college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like. The way she's treated in the family is like mm-hmm. she's like like twenty two, yeah. But her kid is like eleven. And then at one point she like walks to school with I guess her younger brother, right? Yeah. Is is that Tim? That's Tim. Yeah. Yeah. And Beth, the girlfriend, and I'm like, oh yeah, they're all going to school together. And I'm like, no way, she's a mom. She's just walking to high school with them, and then she like peels off when they go to school. She's like, I'm gonna go be an adult mom now. There's also like a really awkward underwear scene with her yeah did that stick out to you because to me it's like it's fine you can leave your shirt on yeah <laughs> like nothing wrong with her she's a beautiful lady yeah but like i don't know i wasn't like she's wearing like granny panties yeah yeah sure. very skinny too yeah I, I wanted to give her a sandwich or something yeah but uh you know i'm not here to criticize people's bodies um I am here to criticize people's acting and i do so we talked about some pluses i want to talk about some minuses I could not get on board with Tim, uh, played by Keith Bogart. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was confusing. Yeah, because tr- okay, oh, sorry. No, sorry. no, go ahead. Uh, he, like one big, the, we meet him. He's making this protein shake, right? Which is like the Tim Strode gut bomb or whatever yeah. he calls it. And he makes Danny try, and Danny's like gross. But like when you see him, it's like he's just putting like bananas. It like looks, the shake looks good. I would drink that shake. <laughs> And so it's like, are you? Is he I thought a, we were going to talk about his acting. You're no, like, the shake's weird. Did I, I, you see what went in the shake? <laughs> I was going to say because it's confusing. Because like, is he a jock? Right. Or is he an, a '90s alt, well, alt and dude? That's which this, is what it looks like. And that is the. I think the the defining trait of this movie is no one decided. Uh, like what? Like we talk about this, but like m- no one makes good films by committee. Yeah. It's like you need a director. You need and that's what I've come to understand because there's a lot of ways as you get to know what people do on sets, what different roles entail. It there's like this, you know how they talk about how you like a lot of people go through this this life cycle where different beetles are your favorite beetle at points yeah, in yeah. time, right? Mm-hmm. And like everybody starts with like with like Paul and then you kind of go full circle and yeah, then when you're like, George is actually the best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And most people, they say most people come back to Paul, which makes sense. Cause yeah. he's the best Beatle. But, uh, anyways, <laughs> that like, I have this, this is how I feel about like an understanding of directors 
where it's like, well, when you're a kid or when you're a person who doesn't know anything about show business, you're like, yeah, the director, that's the, the auteur, that's the person who like made the whole movie. And then you find out what people do on sets and you're like, oh, so the director like mostly doesn't do anything. Like everybody else yeah, everybody, does yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. He oversees everything. Yeah. yeah. But then once you like see the impact of like a director with like a vision and control versus something like this you're like oh yeah actually the director is incredibly important yeah because like you know it's just like having a good boss basically it's like you have to tell people what to do and you have to make decisions that's what i think to me the crux of being a good director is being willing and ready to make decisions and to make good decisions was it john carpenter who was saying um Shit, who was it? I don't know. Something I heard recently where there's a director being like, no, you hire actors and you kind of just get out of their way. Yeah. And, and like hope that they can, because you have other mm. things to focus on. Sure. Yeah. And you got to get good actors. Like yeah. that's part of being a director is picking the right people for the parts, you know? And obviously you work with a casting director, but everybody knows like the director is hopefully usually the person yeah. who has the final say on casting decisions. Maybe you know? it was David Chase. that makes sense yeah but anyways this stuff they were talking about with tim the things with the plot the relationships of the families it just it all screams out for someone to just come in and like clean it up and just like decide what the fuck they're this movie is doing did you have anything specific with tim's acting that you wanted to point out or i mean i don't think he's a bad actor per se it's more like it really does feel like like there are some scenes where it's just like, I'm very confused. Yeah, I was almost reminded of what's her name from the last one we were talking about. Oh, 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 Tina. Tina. Yeah. Where I was Tina. like, I was like, what is this guy's motivation? Like, what did yeah. they tell him to play in yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like a Barry Sims yeah. fan because he's like a nothing for two thirds of the movie, and then all of a sudden, right before he and his girlfriend die, they're like home, and he has to have this serious moment where he's like. You didn't tell me that I lived in the Michael Myers house. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait, what? Oh, I guess. Okay, yeah. And then I'm like, wait, what is this guy's deal again? And it's like, I guess he's related to Lori somehow. Yeah. But the movie doesn't really tell you how. No, and it's not no. clear on it at all. And and it's just like, what? So now he's just scared because it's the Myers house. And then, and then he's dead. And then it's like, uh, okay, I don't know. I'm moving on. There was something that really confused me both times I watched this. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. It's when uh, Kim Darby's character is about to be killed. Yeah. She's in the house alone. Yeah. She walks down the stairs. Yeah. And she looks down at a paint can. Okay. And then we see her face trying to figure something out. And then we go back to the paint can. Uh Uh-huh. And then eventually, like, Michael comes up behind her and kills her. What the fuck was happening with the paint can? Did you notice anything? No. Uh, I I swear to God, I'll play this. Okay. I, uh... We have a whole list of things we want to do out of uh-huh, this. Yeah. Let me f- cue that scene up. It confused the fuck out of me both times. And I still, like, both times, yeah. I didn't rewind it, but I was like, what is going on? Um, another thing that fucking sucks is that goddamn cowboy stupid spurs. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? What choice is that? It's so well, bad. Well, this is the, th- uh, you're talking about the man in black? The man in black. Yeah. yeah. Well, to me, it feels like that's not a choice. It's like they made the man in black for the end of five. And he 
probably maybe had a cowboy hat and spurs for some reason in somebody's head. Yeah. And then they came along and wrote this movie, and they're like, oh, the man in black's uh, an evil doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, uh, okay, well, what about that cowboy hat and the spurs? Uh, hanging on the wall in his office. Yeah. Problem solved. You know? Um, I also really was really bothered by Barry Sims, the shock, oh, God, the yeah. shock rock DJ. Who's like clearly based on Howard Stern? Howard right. Stern was huge at the time. Was approached to play the role. Was he? Yes. Okay. Was, so did not. <laughs> happy he didn't. Yeah. Um, it, it the the cast the person they cast as Barry is too young. Uh huh. He's too in shape. Yeah. He also why is he in his underwear? Like a shock jock isn't the one who's like I get naked. Yeah. It's like no, it's like he gets like girls in bikinis around him right. like if he's a real true pig, which they <laughs> do portray him as. Sure. And then like that's not how radio shows work where they're like at a fucking county fair and he's just like slumped over like a chair. Yeah. And he's like, "Wait, you live at the Michael Myers house? Well, coming up next, we're heading there." It's like that's not how fucking yeah. Radio works. Where's the equipment? Where's the microphone? I don't even think he's talking into a microphone. Yeah. No, you're right. It's total nonsense. It total absolutely nonsense. is. Um, the beginning of this movie was so profoundly confusing to me. Uh, because, again, it's like in the Wikipedia article, there's all this talk about like what happened with Jamie Lloyd. And yeah. then this is Jamie Lloyd now. And it, I, maybe I missed something. But I literally figured out halfway through the movie that that was Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a good a time as any to mm-hmm. get into the differences. Okay. Because the beginning of the movie is really where the producer's cut shines. Okay. Um, I'll just say, as a whole, the beginning half of this movie, much better in the producer's cut. Okay. The end. Yeah actually worse okay than the well i've heard at that at least a wash i heard that from a friend of the podcast matt wait okay messaged me and was basically saying the same thing that it was like the end of the movie was so bad that he like maybe prefers a theatrical version i might also prefer the theatrical but it's bad in both counts okay okay so let's talk about some of the differences um in the opening it's less frenetically cut okay so like essentially when the theatrical cut starts it's very flashy '90s mm-hmm. like music video. Yes, it's not. This is it's way slower. No, no fast cuts. Okay, it's clear that Jamie's in labor. Uh, we later see it's Jamie because we get the flashback. That's more clear that okay. it is Jamie. Um, the stuff with the midwife is more clear. Is clear where you see her being like, oh, I don't want like, yeah. like you see the internal conflict with mm-hmm. the midwife to help Jamie sure. get out of there with the baby. Um, Loomis does the voiceover instead of Tommy Doyle. That makes a lot more which sense. Makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it's basically the same words. Okay, but like it's him talking about how evil Michael is. And okay, all that stuff. Um, yeah, so we get the flashback to five. Michael gets loaded in a truck. It with Jamie and the man in black takes him away. So did Loomis's appearance take you off guard? Because at the end of five, uh-huh. he has scars on his face. He's also dead. Yeah, he's also <laughs> dead. Yeah. <clears throat> in this one, there is a line where uh-huh. it's like he t- he says he got plastic surgery. Really? Yeah, I missed that. If you that. notice, there's a little. Though, I mean, it's not. Uh-huh. It's in the. Oh, it's in the producer's, producer's cut. cut. Okay. He does have a little scar, and he kind of like points it out. Like, uh-huh. That's all that's left of that. 
So he got Loomis got uh, reconstructive okay. surgery. Okay. Um, Jamie does not die at the beginning. So in, in the theatrical cut, she gets impaled on some farm yeah. equipment. Right. Actually, kind of a cool kill. And then, uh, but in this one, she wakes up or she's like in a coma. Basically, they find her like Loomis, the sheriffs, and um, maybe Win as well. I don't I actually don't remember. Uh, find her in a barn mm. in on the wall on like the haystack behind them the rune of thorn is like burned into the hay um oh uh the score yeah is more present okay oh also i should point out too the titles are different it is called halloween six okay the curse of michael myers and it is in like that old halloween font sure the old score is now throughout okay instead of whatever they ended up using yeah yeah um Michael Myers appears to Danny in the in the that opening scene where you meet Danny in the when he pulls the knife on the abusive dad. Yeah. He looks out the window and he sees Michael and you hear a voice being like, "Kill him, Danny." And then that's when he pulls the knife on the abusive dad. Oh, yeah. That's also never explained at all in the theatrical cut. No, it's not. Right? Did, did I miss something in the end where Danny gets connected to the the cult somehow? No, they're setting it up. Okay. But they never pull the trigger on that. Okay. Which is like why yeah yeah it's it's stupid um yeah so yes uh jamie okay so there's a hospital scene Uh where jamie is in a coma in the hospital and we get flashbacks to what happened to her um and so she's like tied to a um like a giant pedestal with <clears throat> the rune of thorn on it and like blood or something. She has like that midsummer like white gown on okay. and like crown of flowers on her yeah. head. They spread her legs and then Michael comes in and presumably rapes her <laughs> and impregnates her. And so the baby is Michael's baby Oy. with his niece. Oy. That's Steven. Okay. Um, and then we learn this. <laughs> We go back to the hospital, uh-huh. end flashback. Somebody puts a silencer to her head and shoots her. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, she gets fucking killed, like, oh. mafioso style. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's great. Um, so that that's a, that is a big change. Um, oh, also one of the, one of the bits in the... Um, I think it's when the uh, Mrs. Blankenship is talking. Uh-huh. Mm. She explains that uh, the druids like control the stars, and that it's all tied to this constellation that, like, on Halloween, that occurred in 1963 when Michael killed his, his oh, sister. Sure. In 1978, 1988, 1989. So it's like kind of like trying to connect all okay. of the movies together. All right. Um, the abusive dad's death is way less gory. Okay. He just gets electrocuted. And actually, in general, this is one of the rare yeah. cuts where the the they amped up the gore. Well, I know that was something that Dimension did with the reshoots. There yeah, was exactly. Because the, the test audience is like, it's not gory enough. It's not. Like, I don't think any of the deaths were better yeah. in the producer's cut, which was, like, surprising to me because it's marketed on the box. It's like the unrated producer's yeah. cut. Something that I just want to mention before I forget, too, is at least in the theatrical cut... Michael's 
Michael has, in this movie, as his go-to method of killing, replaced stabbing people with a knife to just picking them up and impaling them on things. Yeah, on things things on the wall, yeah. Yeah. Um, The little girl, uh, when Barry Sims' body is found, and she's like, Mommy, it's raining red. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a song she sings, which is a little bit... It's weird. Weird. Um, uh, I wrote Win and Loomis for some reason. Don't know why. (laughs) Okay, so then we're at the end. Yeah, okay. Kara gets laid out on a rune like mm-hmm. Jamie did in the flashback. Okay. Uh, the man in black says some like incantation in- incantations over her. Yeah. Like the starting the start of some sort of ritual. I guess maybe she's supposed to be impregnated by Michael as well. I don't know. Sure. Uh, and it's she's a sacrifice to Michael. Um, you know, then it's revealed that the Stephen is Michael's baby. Oh, because Michael comes in, she's like, "He's, he's your baby." Because he wants to kill the baby he wants to kill the baby yeah that's right um and then tommy pulls a knife on the man in black like like to his throat and Uh, then kara tommy and the baby escape down the hallway um (laughs) so fucking dumb so (laughs) the end um (laughs) the final confrontation between tommy and Michael. Uh-huh. So in the theatrical cut, he puts like the injections yeah, in his neck. Yeah, in the fetus him. room. Yeah. In the fetus room. There's no fetus room. Okay. Michael does not go ham and kill everybody. Okay. It doesn't happen. He doesn't betray the cult. Instead, Tommy cuts his hand and then makes a like a like a, a circle with like the rune of thorn in the middle. He steals a cultist's robe and puts it on. Uh-huh. Uh, he's in disguise. And says Samhain as Michael approaches, <laughs> uh-huh. which renders Michael powerless, I guess. <laughs> Michael stops. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, he walks out and says, the power of the runes stopped him. <laughs> cool. And then so they load up into a van. Uh-huh. Loomis is there. And then Loomis is like, I got to go back. Um and then so he goes back inside. He finds Michael, like with his mask on, laying down mm-hmm. on the ground. Loomis pulls the mask off. Okay. And it's not Michael. It's Dr. Wynn. Okay? Okay. And then Wynn says, Michael's gone. It's your game now, Dr. Loomis. Loomis looks down at his wrist. He now has the mark of thorn on his wrist. And then he screams. The scream that they use uh-huh. at the end yeah. of... Because Loomis uh, Pleasance at this point had died. Right. They couldn't reshoot him. Yeah. And then we see the man in black uh, walking down the hallway. And that's Michael. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the... That's uh, pretty. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the, that's the main difference. That's how the the producers cut ends. I mean, that's total. It's still total nonsense. It's still totally nonsense. And what I wrote in my notes is again. Oh no no! This is actually from. Uh, I just mm. copy pasted it. The person I copy pasted it, pasted it from is like again. Neither version is good. <laughs> so I, per- <laughs> I tend to prefer the theatrical. Sure. Which I agree. Okay. I agree with that. Like, All I, right. I, neither is good. It sucks both ways that's too bad yeah well but that actually it saves me some trouble because i probably won't watch it yeah i, I mean i might watch it eventually i will eventually but like 
Don't rush out. Okay. Um, I had heard throughout from some people, you know, through Twitter and stuff. That's like it was. You know, it saves the movie. Sure. The producers cut. It's yeah. actually a great movie. No. Okay. No. Got it. Alrighty. All right. Well, thank you for filling me in on that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I I, f- I feel like there's not there. I mean, there are, we could talk about this movie forever. So instead, we should. Move things along and and head into our superlatives. Do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let me run down the kills in the movie. Okay, we got Mary, the midwife, who's impaled on a spike. Uh, that like sort of helpful motorist who's drinking a beer and pissing or something. <laughs> yeah. Michael snaps his neck. Uh, Jamie, <clears throat> who was impaled on some farm equipment. Uh, Deborah Strode, the mother, axed in the chest. John Strode. Can I uh-huh. cut in on the Deborah Strode? Mm-hmm. So just during our very brief break, I did rewatch the paint scene that oh, you, you were talking about. The reason she's... And this is very unclear because it's from a previous scene. There's a scene in between. But in the previous scene, she's picking stuff up on the front porch. She finds the axe leaning against the front door. Oh. And she puts it in the crate with the paint stuff and brings it so inside. So the axe is gone. The axe is gone. Okay. And then she gets murdered with it. Got it. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm sorry I didn't pick up on that. But you didn't either. No. <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, John Strode, who's uh, you know, electrocuted, his head explodes. Barry Sims, Tim Strode, Beth, both killed in bed. Um... A bunch of uh, sanitarium patient, Dr. Wynn, Dr. Bonham. <laughs> I don't know who that is. We didn't get these doctors' names. Uh, some, and then a bunch of doctors, a nurse, <laughs> a bunch of doctors. Guy gets his head crushed against metal bars. Mm-hmm. That was a terrible kill. That was a terrible kill. What was your favorite kill? Um, burr, burr, burr. Yeah. Probably the dad. Yeah, the dad. Which I think fun. is all reshoots. I think that's like they really goosed that for the yeah. for the theatrical cut. They did. Um, I'm gonna say Jamie's, uh, which is also a reshoot. It's just like kind of the most gory yeah. death. Mm-hmm. What is he even impaling her on? I don't know. Is it like a thresher or something? something. I don't know. Some sort of like farm equipment. Yeah. It's unclear. I just assume us city boys would know farm yeah, equipment. Just, it's just like farm spikes. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> farm spikes. That's what it is. <laughs> All right, then. Um, uh, moments that didn't age well. You know, I mean, we this, this, this uh, superlative can be kind of thought of in a lot of different ways. Sure. It's up for interpretation. Up for interpretation. I mean, the thing is, the whole movie is locked in time, but that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad me. thing. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'll say probably the Barry Sims character. That's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a very of the time. Shock jocks were huge. Yeah. Yeah. Stern, Don Imus, <laughs> Tom Likas. Imagine if point. those guys showed up on the scene right now. Yeah, I, I know. Mean, oh, they'd be so fucking canceled so fast. Yeah, but that's the thing that's so funny about it is because back in the day, like a guy like Imus or Howard Stern, that was their shtick was so divorced from any kind of politicization. Politicization, yeah, right? Yeah. Like liberals loved and hated Stern. Conservatives, honestly, conservatives probably hated Stern more than than liberals. Well, probably, did, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And now it's like. 
I want to say they'd get canceled, but they'd just be like fucking like the Joe Rogan crowd would just like sure. And and what's his name? The, the <laughs> Alex 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 Jones. Alex Jones. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't want to shit talk Stern. I love mm. Stern. I, I sure. I, I you know obviously he's not everything has aged well. Yeah. I actually think his. I don't listen to Stern often, but when I do, like now, I think he's one of the best interviews in the yeah. game. When he's mm-hmm. not like, do you do anal? <laughs> right. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, anyway, it, it, he, he's changed since then. Sure, of course. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my, that's my pick. I think that's a good call. Um, all right, I support you in that. Thank you. How scary do you think this movie is on the John Carpenter Fear scale? Meter. Meter? <laughs> um, five. There are a couple sequences, specifically the mom, the Deborah sequence, when she kind of gets stalked around the house. Yeah. Up and down the stairs into the basement. It's like they drag it out well. I think it works. Yeah. There's the whole thing with like the telescope, the binoculars that into the other yeah. room. That's like mm-hmm. kind of always fun in a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I can go on a five with you. All right. Great. It's not scary though. No, it's not. You could show this to your 12 year old. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, that's probably maybe not the producer's cut with all the uncle fucking but <laughs> yeah i should put a trigger warning at the top of that segment a lot of uncle fuck talk yeah um and then finally mary fuck kill yeah you want to go first i'm gonna go first um i mean this movie did rise a bit in my mm-hmm. in my uh esteem of it what is it esteem in my esteem uh but not enough to clear that very important threshold from a kill to a fuck Uh and so this is going to the kill pile for me okay i think uh yeah it's i'm not gonna say it's the nadir of the series but it's one of the movies that it might be, in my opinion, is yeah. in the running. Might be the Ralph Nader of the series. <laughs> yeah. Gonna steal some votes away from spoiler. <laughs> uh, okay, great. For me, um, like I said, you know, it, it's sort of it's such an unforgivable mess that it almost merits a default kill. Just because it's incomprehensible as a film. However, its incomprehensibility didn't bore me. It sort of made me, if anything, more engaged in watching the movie. Because I was like trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. Yeah. So it's sort of an accidental way of getting there. <laughs> but, <laughs> like... I I mean, you know, this isn't spoiling my, my ratings to... This isn't spoiling my rankings because just from the pure ratings, you'll be able to sort this out in a second. But it's like, I was much more entertained than I was during the last movie. Um, and I know some of that is we left, like, my least favorite era. I mean, not... But of all... No, that's not true. There are great, great fucking horror movies from, like, 89, Ladies, 90. Yeah. Um, but there are also some pretty bad ones, and the bad ones are really bad, and that's what Halloween Five was. Yeah. Um, this one, it was it was weird enough that it kind of kept me in, interested, and yeah, it did suck, but in a sort of compelling way. And so, 
I think I have to give this a fuck because, like, I might watch this again. And, like, I kind of want to watch the producer's cut even though it's probably not better. If It might just be equal, like you put it. But I don't know. Like, I didn't... I wasn't bummed out by watching it. Yeah. Like, I finished watching it and I was like, that was a mess. But I wasn't like, fuck this movie. You know? I wasn't angry about it. Do you think uh, any of your thoughts on it have anything to do with your... Um, uh contrarian nature because you have been hearing me talk about uh-huh. this movie for a while did i poison the well at all i don't think so okay also do you think of me as being like primarily a contrarian you've never seen blair witch project <laughs> well no but that's like things that i avoid why that's I, no, he has seen it. We did. We covered it, but yeah, no. But I mean, the thing with Blair Witch is just like when things get so. That's less me being a contrarian, and something gets too blown out of proportion, and I'm like, well, I can't watch it now. Sure, that's that was how I ended up not seeing Blair Witch Project. That's how I avoided seeing the first half of Scarface until three weeks ago. Right, 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 right. It wasn't because I'm like, well, everyone loves Scarface, so, so I, I hate, hate Scarface. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was like. How am I ever going to watch Scarface in anything approaching an objective manner? Because no one will shut the fuck up about it. Sure. And the answer to that question is by doing it in the middle of an I'm watching all the Brian De Palma movies run. Right, right. Where it's like, well, now I'm just treating it like it's one of his movies. And it's sort of the same, you know. So I would argue. I was being facetious. Oh, you were? Saying okay. you're <laughs> contrarian. Do you want to cut this out? No, 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 not at all. Uh no, I, you're not a contrarian, other than your Scorsese takes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think he's good. He's just overrated. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 th- I think I was expecting... I mean, if anything, it's not really being contrarian, but yes, you probably did lower my expectation a little bit, which made it easier for the movie to you know yeah. achieve like the movie was slight was slightly better than i expected it to be and it, it, it actually for me too it was mm-hmm. slightly better than i than i yeah. remembered yeah i was very very much didn't like it the first okay. time around um, this is a very impulsive fuck so it's like sure. this is one that after reflection and watching the rest of the series like who knows who knows but for now that's kind of how i feel well there you have it i think that's a uh, very valid um that's all i wanted was validation <laughs> You're valid to me, Mike. Thanks. Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to play some Trivial Pursuit. Hey. Every legend is based on fact. Every myth is grounded in truth. For 17 years, the town of Haddonfield, Illinois, has been haunted by a night when evil roamed the streets and a madman ruled the night. Everyone knows his name. Now, everyone will know the truth. I knew what he was, but I never knew why. Halloween sits. The origin of Michael Myers. All right, that's a little glimpse into uh, what could have been, um, according to the YouTube link that I found. <laughs> that is 
an unreleased trailer for when the movie was called The Origin of Michael Myers. Uh, but here, here we are. We're going to be playing uh, in our third segment. Let me start that uh, again. Yeah, it's the third. Um, as we sometimes like to do, we're going to be challenging each other by pursuing trivial things. This is Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. Mike and I are going to go head-to-head. I'm going to hand Mike a card. Yeah, I can think of this as a nice little palate cleanser right around the middle of our Halloween franchise. Yeah. I think next week we're due to talk about... The Legend of... Hillbilly Jim or Hillbilly, something? Hillbilly, yeah, sure. That's what it's called. Uh, here, give me the creature features. I'll figure it out. It's in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, too much reaching. So much reaching. Uh, but for those of you who are joining us for the first time... Uh, this is literally the the official Trivial Pursuit horror movie uh, Ultimate Edition, and uh, Eric and I are just going to face off over one card apiece. Usually I win, hey. but Eric won last time, so I think that's worth worth note- noting. Um, so can he defend his title, or am I coming back for the crown? All right, smartass. I mean, most people can guess what's going to happen, but you know, you never know. First up on the card, Paranormal. I'll ask you first. Okay. Oh, no. It's the legend of Hillbilly John. Hillbilly John. Yeah. Which is on YouTube or something. We found it. Yeah. It's available. As long as it's not Daily Motion. Oh, I'll God. kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. At the end of The Witch in 2015. Sure. The Vivitch. What does Thomason... Uh, write in the book belonging to Black Philip. At the end of the witch, what does Thomason write in the book belonging to Black Philip? I don't actually remember, so I'm going to take an educated guess based on my understanding of the relationship between witches and the devil. I'm going to say her name. You are correct. Okay. Fantastic. All right. You want to ask me a paranormal sure. question? Uh, yeah. If you thought that was too easy, how about this one? What type of animal is Black Phillip? Whoa! <laughs> in The Witch 2015. A goat. That's right. Did it say goat on your card or no? No. Okay. No. At least it wasn't a 100% giveaway. Uh, so the next is monsters. Yeah. Um, Abby is revealed to be what type of supernatural being in Let Me In? Uh, a vampire. Don't even have to look. That is correct. I think we have, like, some sister cards here. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, they were next to each other. Okay. Should we mix it up more? No, I mean... Well, why not, we'll right? see how it goes. Okay. In Let Me In... Sure. 2010. Mm-hmm. Heard of it. Owen and Sorry. Abby communicate through the wall using what method? tapping morse code i'll accept more yeah morse code well, how else would you th- communicate through a wall yeah come I'm on not, I, i've seen the movie i love that movie that's a great movie i've never seen it it's very good too many people said it was good so i said fuck <laughs> that movie uh it's two to two this is very easy gore slash disturbing uh-huh and this is a gory disturbing question okay who directed eraser head <laughs> <laughs> Uh, David Lynch. That is correct. Uh, Eric, over how many years was Eraserhead filmed? Seven. I'm sorry, the answer is five. Fuck! That was a much harder question than mine. Damn it. Uh, 
That's a, that's a shame. Maybe it'll even out. Uh, who is the heroine in the novels by Paul Sheldon in Misery? Is it... Misery. Yeah, Misery Wilkes, uh-huh. Misery Chastain, Misery Sheldon, or Misery Sindel? Misery Chastain. You're correct. Three to four so far. Okay, this one I feel Two is... Two to of, four. This, this Misery question I feel is of comparable difficulty. Okay. What is the name of the villainous character Kathy Bates portrays? Annie Wilkes. Yeah, that's right. You got help because Wilkes was one of the last names there. I mean, I remember it, though. Okay, I've read the book, seen okay. the movie. Okay, good for you. Okay, <laughs> so Fancy four to three man. so far. What brand of doll is Chucky in the original Child's Play films? <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> God damn it. He's a good guy, doll. He's true. Wait, yeah. what? hold on. Good guys, doll. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, the titular day, our first, uh, our first divergence. The titular day in Happy Death Day, mm. twenty seventeen, is also the birthday of what character? The main character. <laughs> I don't know her name. Do you want to take a shot at her name? Uh, Annie. Yeah, no. It's oh, fuck. Ter- Teresa Gelbman. Oh, I've never seen those movies. God damn it. They're fun. You should check them I out. Know, I know, I know. I, you know what's really stopped me is that they're PG-13. Yeah, I mean... that's. I mean, that is yeah. not a good reason, but like... That's not a, it's not a terrible reason. I know the feeling. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have watched them if I hadn't been uh, goaded into it by my fiance, and I did enjoy them. So, cool, yeah. yeah. Always on the list of things I should check out. What 1982 film was credited to director Toby Hooper and producer Steven Spielberg? <laughs> Poltergeist. Yes. This sucks. <laughs> this sucks. Um, did I sweep the card? You swept the card. That was six for six? Let me just uh, see if I can exit this with my dignity intact. This one's pretty easy. If you fuck this up, you should be ashamed of yourself. What member of the Hardesty family survives the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974? Sally or Franklin? Sally. There you go. All right. Five Toby of Hooper, six. That was the connection there, Toby That was Hooper. the connection. What was the connection for Happy Death Day, I wonder? Was Don Mancini involved in that? I don't no, think so. I think they just ran out of juice. They <laughs> ran out of child's play questions. There's no other child's play questions than that one and the previous one we had about the iBuddy, whatever the fuck, iPal... It was the, the the one we got in a previous week was the same question, but just about the new movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. And I got that one wrong because I hadn't seen the new movie yet. In Peeping Tom, Mark Lewis conceals his knife in what camera accessory? I know. Do you? A lens? Incorrect. This is tripod. Oh, okay. Cool. Do you so feel... There, I feel a little bit better about myself. You're the winner. I'm the winner in my heart. You're a winner, Eric. All right. There you go. That is a horror trivial pursuit. I don't know. I feel like there needs to be an asterisk next to that one. Why why is that? <laughs> because your questions were easy <laughs> and the questions that I got wrong were not I mean, easy if you'd seen the movies. I mean Teresa Geldman was a tough one. That was a tough one. You know, what who are we to are we are we gonna go back and relitigate the difficulty level of every horror movie trivial pursuit question we've answered? No, but you can. You can write to us yeah, uh, at killstreakpod at gmail.com or killstreakpod on all of the social medias. 
Uh, rate and review us on iTunes. That would be helpful. Uh, next week, we're coming back with uh, Halloween H2O. Yeah, the return of Jamie Lee Curtis. Return of Jamie Lee Curtis. This is post-Scream. we got Kevin Williamson. Yeah. I'm excited to see this one again. I've only seen it in theaters once. I don't think I've ever revisited this one. Not not for any reason, like, you know, because I didn't like it, but just, just never worked out that way. Um, the one that got away. The one that got away. <laughs> uh, it is streaming on, uh, yeah, I don't know, Fubo TV. Fubo. AMC Plus, DirecTV. Um, so... And then one if it's streaming on AMC Plus, that makes me Spectrum. think it might be on Shudder. Um, I don't think it is. Uh, you don't yeah, think so? I don't think so. Because, okay. Well, maybe it is now. I'll, I'll have to recheck. But last time I looked, there's only f- one, four, and five. We're on yeah. There. Uh-oh. Eric here. I was wrong. Recovering Halloween H2O and Halloween Resurrection next episode. Uh, not because of any comparable quality, but because, uh, you know, just timing wise, we want to get Halloween kills out in time for actual Halloween. So yeah, next week we're covering Halloween H2O and Halloween Resurrection. Well, for those of you, if you guys are looking to add a 19th streaming service to your, uh, you know, your docket I did uh, start a free trial of Paramount Plus to watch the last one, and this is also streaming on Paramount Plus. So. Oh, it is. Well, it said it showed it on the CBS app, which is that's what Paramount Plus. Oh, is okay, now, so, so that's how I'll watch it because I also have uh-huh. Paramount Plus, and that's right. where uh, Halloween Kills is coming out. So all right. maybe all of the later ones are on there. That was a weird noise that the box made. That was the box. It's funny because you just kind of leaned back and then splayed your legs out, sort of spread eagle. You are a liar. I I mean, maybe it was the box, but it seemed like you were opening up. Okay, guys, we're going to wrap it up. And as always, I bet she wears crotchless panties and barks like a dog. Mm -hmm.